Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 6. And if you'll stand with me one more time, I won't ask you to stand again. <clears throat> I'll be starting a series this morning. I will stray away from it next Sunday uh, to preach evangelistic message. Um, but the next three or four weeks... Lord willing, I want to talk to us on the subject of our personal need for revival. Our personal need for revival. James 4, 6, if you're there, say amen. amen. And I'm going to talk a little between the verses and then I'll, I won't keep you long standing, I promise. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Resisteth, opposes, pushes against, separates himself, ignores. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, Brother Wood, I don't need nobody to deliver me. No, Christ is your deliverer. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, those of you that are sinning. And purify your hearts, those of you that are double-minded. Afflict yourself. Mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and the Lord will lift you up. Revive. When I was growing up, revival meant extended services. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But in its, its truest form, revival is not extended services or spiritual emphasis. Revival means to bring something back to life. To regain consciousness or strength. To quicken, mend, repair and restore. We as a church and we as individuals and we as fathers and we as mothers, we need personal revival. We need it desperately. We need it now. We need it individually. We need it corporately and we need it profoundly. A genuine revival, a transformational revival, a deep, profound revival, an intimate one that speaks to our greatest need and the truest part of who we are. A divine revival, a priority-shifting, schedule-changing, life-simplifying, chain-breaking, heart-melting, sin-destroying, joy-restoring revival of the Acts 2 kind. And I believe, no, I know, that if we are desperate enough and if we're honest enough and if we humble ourselves and repent, I believe God will forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, heal our brokenness, and restore unto us the joy of our salvation. I believe that for today. Pray with me and for me as I pray before the Lord this morning. Lord, we so desperately need you. Our church so desperately needs you. We want to, Lord, set in motion the breaking down of every high thing that exalts itself against our knowledge of God. We want to dethrone ourselves and this world and enthrone the Christ 
the living God at the throne of our hearts. Help us to be honest with you, Lord. Help us to be repented and repentive. And those of us that are past feeling, help us feel again, oh Lord. The answer to our malaise, I said it just a moment ago, we will call upon the Lord and the Lord will hear us and deliver us from our troubles. In Jesus' name, I pray it so, God. Anoint me today. God, I have no trust in any gift I might have or understanding or communicative pattern. My trust relies in the anointing that breaks every yoke. Let it happen today for the glory of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. You know you need a personal revival when you're the center of your world. Of course, we have to be a primary part of our world because we're responsible for our world. We're responsible for our work ethic. We're responsible for our responsibilities. We're responsible to our creditors. We're responsible to our families. It's a stewardship of life, mind, body, soul, spirit. But we are not the center. Those responsibilities, when done correctly are done in order to bring glory to God. God is the center. Pleasing Him. Obeying Him. Serving Him. Honoring Him. The Bible said a backslider in heart, in Psalms, I meant Proverbs 14, 14, a backslider in his heart is filled with his own ways. We think, uh, you know, drinking, partying, sleeping around, and those things are symptoms of a, a, a carnal life, but it begins with, being filled with self. That's, that's what backsliding is. It's sliding away from the rulership of God in your heart and filling your life with the things that you want. Because God's ways are not our ways. God's not thinking primarily about the things we're thinking about. He's thinking about bringing honor to His Son through our life. When we're the center of our own world... It's like when our true identity is uh, set aside and our priorities are out of order. Our true identity as Christ followers, as sons of the living God, eternal creatures, not temporal creatures. We have to set aside who we really are to play the game with this world. What do you mean by game, Brother John? Well, it, it just doesn't make any sense. You spend all your health to obtain wealth, and then when you get old, you spend all your wealth to try to buy back your health, and then you die. That's insane. This, this life is a dress rehearsal. This isn't it. It's the next one. When your life is about pleasure, not purpose. When your life is about comfort instead of cause. When, you're fly, when your life is about the life you live in the flesh instead of the spirit. And when your life focuses on the temporal instead of the eternal. You need a personal revival. When life is about your possessions, your relationships, your wants, your desires, your plans, your rights, what you want, what you need, the word you. When it centers around that, well, Brother John, I have to take care of myself. No, sir, God will take care of you. I bring my needs. There is the my. I bring my needs and my wants and my petitions to God, but I don't live for those things. I live for Him. And He meets those things according to His pleasure his knowledge, and his timetable. A life centered around self is the opposite 
of the life Christ described as a Christian walk. Where'd you get that from, Brother Wood? Matthew 16, 24. If anyone will come after me, this is what it's going to look like. If any man follows after me, he will deny himself. Out the gate, deny himself. He tells himself no so that he can tell God yes. He will pick up his cross. What is the cross? The cross is God's will for your life. You remember Jesus said, if there's any other way, let this cut pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The cross is different for each of us, but it's the same. It's God's revealed will for our life. So Jesus said, for somebody to walk after me, to follow me, they have to live a life of self-denial. They cannot be Lord of their own life and follow me. So they deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. I get to chart the path. Well, I don't, I'm not living self-denial, and I'm a fo- follower of the Lord. I'm following Christ. You're deceived. I, listen, if all you need is a feeling, I feel like I'm okay. The devil can produce those for you. Your own uh, personality can do that for you. We know where we are, the barometer of where we truly are. The compass is the Word of God. And I can't live a life that puts my desires first. Well, I include the Lord. In it. No, no. He, he don't share glory with anyone. And He doesn't share lordship with anyone. He's the Lord. You know you need a personal revival when your life focus. Here's a good determiner. When your prayers are about temporal things primarily. Instead of eternal things. How does this help you, O Lord? How does this help the church, O Lord? How does this bring glory to you, O Lord? You need a personal revival. Now, I'm not mocking you. I can't tell you how many personal revivals I've had in the last 30 years. But to revive something means you had to have had something before. Something God-given, something God-breathed, something living, started by God. Not the will of man, not the will of the flesh, but a quickening. You who were dead in trespasses and sins, has he brought to life and quickened and breathed into you his spirit and brought you to life. But that well of living water drawing out of the well of salvation, that well of living water has been filled in with not necessarily evil things, but things. Your things, your goals, your dreams, your pleasures, your wants, your desires, your petitions. There's water in there. You just got to clean out the well. You got to put God back at the throne and then back up. I don't even want you, Lord, to think I think I'm near that. Much less seated in it. When we think of idolatry, we think of the person in the third world nation in the bush with a spear and a loincloth bowing down to a man-made little statue. And that is. But the most rampant form of idolatry is not in the bush in Kenya. It's in the American church. We we don't have a, a little statue on the throne of God. We've marched our proud self up and sat on the throne and said, this creation of God. Now watch. So let's just say John Wood. This unworthy candidate who was redeemed, not with corruptible things like bulls and goats or or gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. 
has now walked into that temple. You are the temple of the living God. Moved God out of the way and sat down on the throne of his life and says, Mine, that's idolatry. And that's why we feel like God is a million miles away, because he is. Ain't but room for one on the throne. And God resisteth the proud. Could that be the reason we don't feel him in prayer, we don't see him in his word, and we feel so cold in our heart because God left the temple. Are you saying I'm not saved? No, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying God's resisting you. That's why you need a revival. Number two. You know you need a personal revival when God reveals to you your true condition. And revival can come to many different types of people. Elijah needed a revival because he was worn out and God met him in a cave. He was just depressed and discouraged. He needed to be revived, brought back to vitality. Peter, after one failure, Peter was not a rebel. Peter was not uh, an adulterer, a, a carnal person, an immoral person. He just failed. And sometimes people are living right and doing right and they love the Lord and they're just worn out and their soul needs spiritual CPR. They need God to breathe in them and bring them back like Elijah. Or, or someone like Peter who's not a sinner but who sinned and sinned so greatly. He sees no hope for himself. There's no way out. There's no way back. And Jesus meets him on a shore and cooks breakfast for him and asks him questions and stirs in him the love of God again. And he said, Simon, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. I failed. And he brings him back. He said, feed my lambs. Come on, man, snap out of this and brought him revival. And then there's the sinner like Samson who is sleeping with prostitutes, who is, uh, as a Nazarite, isn't even supposed to touch the grape of the vine, and he's walking through vineyards. He's not supposed to touch unclean things, and he's sticking his hand inside a rotting car carcass of a lion to scoop out honey. He's just living like hell. And he got to a place blind, grinding in a prison, and he's up against posts, and he asked the Lord, he said, Remember me, Lord. Revive me. Bring me back one more time. And he pushed with all his might and God revived him. And the strength that he was known for that was gone was given back to him. When you see your true condition, it's one of the most sad, beautiful things that can ever happen to you in your Christian life. When you go to the doctor, you want him to give you the true vital signs. Oh, there's that word again. Vital. Vive. Revive. I want to know my blood pressure. I want to know my hemoglobin. I want to know the accurate thing. And see, we don't discern. You just don't hold your arm and go, I feel like I'm good. There has to be a test. And it's the Word of God and the Spirit of God that lets you. You need God to give us an accurate view of where we really stand. Our heart is revealed by what has it, what has our time, what has our resources. Our heart can be revealed by how we feel towards and react to spirit-filled believers. Let me just, the Lord just quickened this to me yesterday. I've never heard this taught or preached. This is an indicator. 
if your heart's okay or not. If you're around somebody that really loves the Lord, I don't mean a weirdo out in Bizarro land, but they just love the Lord. They, they love the Lord. They love His Word. And they have the fruit of the Spirit. If you feel awkward around them or resent them or envious to them or critical of them or any feeling except connectivity, your heart's wrong. Because if I'm around someone who Christ is the center of and who loves him, I ought to have immediate, profound, unmistakable connection with that person. And if I have any other feeling or reaction, maybe it's just a remembering. You're around them and you remember that you used to have it. Anything besides natural, organic connectivity shows that there's a heart problem. Our heart is revealed by what we now allow. I've been preaching this to you and myself for years. And it's still truth. How is it that we allow today what we wouldn't have allowed in the early stages? Things we would have never done. We now do. Things we would have never watched, we now watch. Things we would have never listened to, we now listen to. Places we would never go, we now go. And we say, I had a Christian tell me the other day, well, I'm, I'm, I'm different now. I, I, I see things more clearly. No, you're more blind than you've ever been in your life. The Bible says, because iniquity abounds, which means we are sloshed around in, like in a bathtub with iniquity. Because it's around us all the time, the love of many grow cold. And we allow today what we would not allow yesterday because the current of this world is so strong and the journey is so long and we get tired of swimming against the current. Oh, we can justify it. Hey, if all you need to do is find other Christians to, to go with you and do it and, and you know, oh, yeah, oh, they'll, listen. You want to find carnal Christians? Easy. Just get on the phone, baby. Easy. But they're not the standard. And I'm not your standard. That word that you hold in your lap is the standard. When we allow what we would not allow. When we enjoy what we wouldn't enjoy. I always preach transparent to you. I try my best to be as authentic as I can without ever making the message about me. I've had people tell me, they, they, I said, hey, I saw you visit. So, yeah, it's too real there. I can't go there no more. I'm not coming. But I want to tell you what a temptation has been for me recently. Now, 30 years. When God saved me, I drank all the time when I'm, before I got saved. Five, six nights a week for seven years. All the time. You do understand all the time. And enjoyed it. Enjoyed the taste of it. I didn't drink hard liquor. I didn't like the taste of that. Cold beer. Drank cold beer all the time. Did you know about, there'll be years go by, and then all of a sudden, I wake up and I crave it. I crave it. I think about it. I go in a restaurant, I hear, there you go. I see that over there. 
you see a head there at the, you know, you walk into Outback and they've got the little stein leaned over and the head at the top of it's about like that. And foam will come up in the corner of my mouth. That's the truth. But I've lived with the Lord long enough to understand. See, the carnal Christian says, I won't go to hell over it. No, but it'll open a door. It'll open the door back to this highway of destruction and regret and the, the, the horrible memories that I have of living. Because if you live after the flesh, you will die. And I, I can't, I can justify doing things I used to do, but not spiritually. All things are profitable. I mean, Brother Wood, all things are allowable. All things are allowable. But they're not all profitable, the Bible says. And I can tell by what I enjoy. Do you have to be altered or stimulated? Or can you enjoy the little things? Will the laugh of your baby or grandbaby be enough for you? Do you ha- will the caress of your wife's hand be enough? Or do you have to watch pornography on the internet? You can tell you need a personal revival by what you enjoy. You can sit through something and enjoy it. And the theme of it be immorality, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, blasphemous, new age. What? That was a good movie. The, the fact that you could enjoy it is a red flag to you. And I'm not being legalist. I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying something's wrong. I couldn't watch a movie that, that profaned my wife or my babies. If they had their names on there and they were acting out horrible things, I would grab them and run. Well, when they take your Lord's name in vain, how can I enjoy that? And I'm, like, I'm just like you. Just because I stand here, I'm no different. A series will come on TV. I go, oh, man, finally a series. I've identified with all the characters. I like it. It's creative. It actually has plot and subplot and characters. Four episodes in, all of a sudden you get that episode from hell and everybody's a homosexual and everybody's an adulterer and you got one lady, she's into bestiality and God's name is taken in vain over and over. And I go, well, there goes that series. And your flesh just screams. I cannot allow myself the luxury of enjoying things that dishonor the Lord. And it is a luxury. Have someone, they'll come, they'll, it inevitably happen to you. Oh, you, could, you couldn't go drink today. Have you lost your mind? I could go right to the store, find the coldest freezer in there. The one on, usually the ones under ice are the coldest. But I, please don't, this is nothing. This is this small, so don't think I'm being a martyr. I just deny myself that luxury. Because, no matter what your convictions are, I know that you would think less of me and my ministry would be hindered. And I don't want to, gr- listen, grieve the Holy Spirit by which you were sealed. That little dove, you know the dove that flew out of Noah's Ark that come back? said, there's not a clean place to land. There's not a clean place to land. Now the raven would land anywhere. But the dove There's no clean place to land. There's no clean place to land. And then finally, when all the water went away and the ground had dried up, it come back with the olive branch in its mouth and said, I can land there. 
You know we need revival because we've grieved the Holy Spirit and He's been gone so long we don't know the difference. And please don't think I'm jumping on you. I'm your pastor and I love you. I would rather you dislike me and you be good and you be okay with the Lord than flatter you and pep rally you and tell us all we're all wonderful. Examine yourself. I'm not your judge. I don't qualify. I don't know you, but you know you. And you know your heart. Our heart can be, when we see our primary circle of people, when we look at who they are, who's your go-to crew, that tells you a lot about your heart. I better get off that when y'all lost your joy right then. <laughs> when you see how far you've fallen, Revelation 2, 5, and to the angel at the church of Ephesus, write these things. Remember from where you've fallen and repent and do the first works again or else I'm going to come unto you and remove the candlestick out of your midst. I'm going to move the light out of your heart. I'm going to move the light out of your countenance. I'm not going to let you live sub-surrendered. I'm not. From where you've fallen, remember where you've fallen. Sometimes the fall is immediate. Sometimes it's gradual. But it means descending from the heights. What are the heights? Seated with Christ in heavenly places. Remember from when you've fallen. If I were to go through, if I was to walk off this stage and God gave me to let, allow me to operate in the gift of the word of knowledge and I just started pulling things out of your past and I just touched you on the shoulder and I said, Remember when you used to walk the floor at night when everybody was asleep? And God's Spirit would settle in on you and you would carry other people's burdens before the Lord? Or if I were to say, remember when you were in the church service and the, the, the pastor said, y'all don't have to stand, but I just couldn't help it. I had to stand anyway. And you'd lift your hands and the tears would just flow down your face. You remember when you were generous uh, to God and to others and you didn't keep score because you knew that you were putting your treasures on the other side? Do you remember when you longed to be in God's house? Not, well, I'm here. Sometimes it can be sad for so long that you forget it's sad. Remember? Now, so you don't think I'm preaching at you. You don't know misery. You don't know spiritual misery like preaching a message and having a cold heart. You feel like the biggest hypocrite that's ever lived. What have you fallen from? Don't fall into the trap of justifying it because you have a valid reason. I fell because of what I lost or who I lost. I fell because of what that pastor did or what that church did. I fell because of what that man did or my uncle did. I, I, listen, valid reasons. But no one can knock you out of being seated with Christ. They can rip your heart out they can bust your bubble of, of naivety. They can rock you. But the only way you come out of the seat with Christ is you get up and you walk or free fall. If you remember a day 
where you love Jesus more than you do today. You're backslidden. And we all do. The difference in believers is there's some people that are okay with their backslidings and say, well, we're not perfect. No, we're not perfect. And God hasn't called us to perfection. No, but we're to have a perfect heart. Well, we just repent. We repent clearly. We, we repent quickly when the word comes. And see, a word like this is like a two-edged sword that divideth us under the soul and the spirit and lays open the, the bone and the joints and the marrow so everything's exposed. And some people, you won't believe this, but some people will get in their car and before they get to lunch, talk about how I delivered it. Like I'm the point. I'm irrelevant in the sense of I'm, I am nothing but you on the stage. We're, we're all the same. But if it's the Word of God and it comes to you in God's Spirit and in, in, in clarity, that's what we respond to. I, I really am sorry that this is all you got. I'm, I, this is it. Never been to Bible college. This is it. But I can deliver mail. I can pass out a letter. Here you go. And we read from the letter of James this morning. If our worship team would come up, please. Y'all don't watch them. I want you to stay focused. We're going to give us time to pray here in a moment. You know you need a personal revival. Stay with me. When there is any bondage or stronghold in your life, when there is anything that you cannot stop, when there is anything you cannot be free from, break out of, listen, or are willing to let go of. If there's anything you can't stop, walk away from, or let go of, there's bondage in your life. There's bondage. You can be in bondage to a good thing. I'll go one further. You can be in bondage to a blessing that God gave you. We are to be ruled and under the authority of Jesus Christ and nobody else. No thing else. Nothing. Him and Him alone. Bound to fear, to lust, to unforgiveness, to bitterness, greed, lying, envy, rebellion, immorality, lukewarmness. The, the list goes on and on. Is there anything in your life that stands up in your heart as if it were God himself and tells you what to do? Whether it's, a, you can say, you know, a little cigarette, a little that big, or food, or, or sex, anything that tells you, you get up and light me now. The issue is not, can you go to heaven smoking a cigarette? It's, you are supposed to be free, indeed. For who the sun sets free, oh, they're free. They're absolutely free. They're free in every area. They are bound by nothing. Well, Brother John, you just talked about having cravings. Oh, I'm glad you brought it up. He did not free me from the pull of sin. He freed me from the power of sin. It doesn't control me. It can woo me. It can play my song. It can tune in on my frequency. And it can activate my taste buds. But when Christ rose from the dead, I rose. When, it, when he died, I died with him. 
And when he rose, I rose with him. And it's not to have control over you. Nothing. Jesus said, the prince of this world has come and he's got nothing on me. Can you say that today? I didn't say, do you have flaws or weaknesses or insecurities or idiosyncrasies? We all got them. All God's children got problems. Everybody on your road got problems. Everybody. It, trust me. You might even be on a road with crazy people. You don't even know. I look at my front row and I say, well, <laughs> well, everybody but my mama. My mama don't know. Okay. I didn't say perfect. I said free. You can't make me do nothing. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And for this reason was the Son of God manifested not only in Jerusalem, but in me, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Free. What's free mean? Free. Come this way. Free to say, no. Roll over. No. Back up. I don't take my orders from you. There is one enthroned, not just in my heart, but in the heavenlies. And I'm absolutely free. He'll pull on those old desires I told you about. I said, John, I still got you. And I pulled back. I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. Every pocket of besetting sin is choice. I can't quit, John. I just can't. Yes, you can. I cannot quit. Do you hear me? I've, I've smoked for 35 years. I cannot quit. Yes, you can. Oh, you, I know what you're saying. You, 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 you misunderstood deliverance. You think you're going to be able to quit without it hurting. <laughs> oh, you're going to go to Sam's and buy your peppermint. 25 pound bag of peppermint. You're going to have, you're going to TT red. Do you hear me? It's going to, you're going to, Your flesh is going to scream and say, I own you. And when you become revived, you say, no, you don't. And you pop your peppermint and you walk into victory. The issue is not the thing. The issue is, do we represent to others the freedom that we know in Christ? And finally, you know you need personal revival because God would not make available something to you he would not give. It is his desire he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and thou that killest the prophets, how often would I have gathered you together like a mother hen does its chicks, but you wouldn't come? How often would I have gathered you together, you and your wife? How often would I have, how often, how often, but you wouldn't? Therefore, your house is left unto you desolate. Desolation follows the rebellious. Brother John, how many times have you had to respond to a message like this in church? Or in your own heart over 30 years. I lost count. But I'm glad I still feel his spirit and hear his voice so I can bow my proud knees and be revived. Revival is not gradual. Clear. There's an infusion of that life. And finally, Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. And my favorite is this. Whosoever comes unto me, 
I will in no wise turn them away. Whosoever repents, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord, I'll meet you there. John, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Every eye open. I'm not looking for an event. You may come kneel down for five seconds and get back up. With every eye open, I'm asking you to assault your pride. If you need, want, desperate for, revive me, O Lord. And you come find a place at this front, whether you stand or kneel, it is a symbol. It's an outward expression of, I heard you, Lord. And I don't care what they think. I care what you think. I'm inviting you to respond. I'll respond from my seat. That's your pride. And I don't do this often. But this message, no, you, you need to re- repent. And I'm going to be kneeling myself. So, guys, if you would lead us softly. I'm thine, O Lord. I've heard that. And who told thy love to me? And I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. And draw me near. cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. And let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thy.
Just one single hour. Y'all stand with us, church. That before thy throne I spin. Let's sing this unto the Lord. And when I kneel in prayer with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me. to go back to that first verse there's there's praise and there's worship and then you can sing a prayer now we don't toy with the Lord if you ask him consecrate me now that means he's going to move some stuff he's going to change some stuff this is the beginning stages of this renewal so let's sing this if it's in your heart to say it to the Lord these verses as we go through them one more time and then we're dismissed I want us to pray them in our heart I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. And I long to rise in the arms of love and be closer drawn to Draw me to this verse. church family, if you'll give me 60 seconds, I'll dismiss you. Immediately following little moments like with, with the Lord, 
is the hardest period. It's like a rocket trying to leave the gravitational pull of coldness and distance and rationalization and excuses. And that's when people just quit. But if you'll just continue, a thousand little yeses during the day. Talk to the Lord during the day. I call them five-second prayers. I meant what I prayed, Lord. Change me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. You will get to the place where right when you think everything's about to break apart, you break through. And you go, we're good, aren't we? We're good, buddy. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Father, as we take this journey together, if you should tarry over the next several weeks, and even next week when we preach the gospel where someone becomes vibed for the first time, quickened from their sins, don't let go of us, Lord. Don't ever stop convicting us. Let this be the year, Lord, where we ascend again, where we come alive again, where we become new again, where we become joyful again, oh Lord. And thank you for grace that's greater than our sins and our failures. You're so good to us, Lord. Thank you for one more chance, oh God. And for the next one. And the next. We love you today, Lord. We're yours. We're yours, period. Perfect that which concerns us. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Somebody praise the Lord this morning.